Welcome to another episode of Your Beauty Tutor, the podcast. I'm your host, Ms. Jennings. We're so glad you've joined us. I'd like to acknowledge our podcast host, Anchor, the podcasting aficionados. Thanks, Anchor, for keeping us connected. Today's podcast is brought to you by Five Essentials to Win. Hey, beauty pros, I bet you have amazing concepts and ideas for creating a lucrative brand and business for yourself. But like most of us, you need help with mapping out a cohesive plan and strategy to put you on a fast track for success. Well, have I got something for you. Five Essentials to Win by Stephen E. White. This book is a must-have for all beauty creatives who, just like me, crave a path to professional independence. Go to StephenEWhite.com and pick your copy up now. You are welcome, because you'll thank me later. Today's podcast is entitled, Follow the Instructions. My desire for today's podcast is to share some information that will help prevent legal issues that can occur in our creative workplaces due to simply not following instructions. Let's chat. Trust me, I understand how hard it is to stop and implement the rules and regulations that were taught to us while we were in beauty school as safety precautions before we start working on clients. Now, I know it's hard to enforce every rule when you have so many clients waiting on you, but as industry professionals, those rules and regulations were put there to protect us and to safeguard us from having to go to court and fight for our rights. If only we would just follow the instructions, we, we could avoid a multitude of issues in salon. So what I want to do today is just kind of shine some light on a few things that we already know, but you know what? A good reminder and a refresh does help. The first thing I want to talk about is, this is very important because it has to do with state licensing. Now, Salon owners, we have to be careful when we are in a busy atmosphere, our salon, our clientele is booming, um, it's maybe a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday, and we have a lot of traffic going through the salon, we find ourselves calling beauty schools, hiring assistants. Now, I'm going to say this. Assistants are a wonderful thing and our student and our student environment, they are creative, they are talented, they are fresh and eager and ready to work. However, they are not licensed if they're still in school. Now, I don't know what your state government is as far, uh, as, far as allowing students to work uh, if they're still in school under an apprenticeship program, but you have to check your state in order to make sure that that is right and that you're following procedures. Because if you are working, I know in the state of New York, you are not allowed to touch any other human being without obtaining that license. And that's passing the practical examination and the written examination. So what happens is a lot of salons are calling schools, getting students that are still on the clock, registered in the school and having them to do all kinds of work 
in salon. Uh, shampooing clients, rinsing out color. Some of them are applying foils. They're doing toners. They're doing chemicals. They're, they're doing more than shampooing, even though that's even banned until you get your license. So we have to really remember that that is not allowed. And if it is allowed, you have to make sure that you're within the state regulations and allowing assistance to work, making sure they're doing exactly what the state mandates and allows. Anything outside of that, salon owners, you are really risking the shop. Okay. Um, and we've worked so hard to get our businesses to grow and to get our business where we really want it to be to risk, you know, hiring someone that we really, uh, need to be training in all honesty. There's so many areas we can train assistants in and non-licensed, uh, apprentices that are trying to come in and learn the industry. They might be in school or they might've graduated already, but they're waiting to take their license. Now, if they're operating under a, uh, temporary license, they can go ahead on and start working. However, if they've allowed their license, uh, their temporary license to lapse because they haven't taken their exam and maybe they have some fears, you know, about testing, uh, they are still not allowed to work on clients. Okay. So We've got to just go ahead on and offer them a job and a position, but train them to do other things like POS, customer service, which is key, um, showing them how to do inventory along with some of the day-to-day -day housekeeping jobs that, you know, we have to do as industry professionals for service industry where we're servicing the public. We have to have things clean and sanitized. So the assistants can help do those things. Those assistants who are not licensed, we have to leave the real work Whereas we're working creatively on clients and customers serving our clientele, we have to leave that for the licensed assistants. Okay. So I just want to go over that just to make myself clear. And if you are one of those who have not passed your state board, but you have completed cosmetology school, but the reason why you didn't obtain your license is because you have fear of taking that test. There's so many resources for you that are available so that you can go ahead on and pass your written and your, uh, practical exam. I mean, you can go onto the, your beauty tutor app in all honesty and go on to state board, find your state. And there's tons of educators up there that can tutor you from home, tutor you uh, online, however you want it. But by all means, please get some help and get your license. Don't allow a year to lapse, two years to lapse. And what do you know? You went to school, you had this loan to pay, and now you're, you're not even legally able to operate. And then if you are working somewhere, you're in constant fear that if the state walks in, You'll be fined. You'll be penalized. They can uh, shut down the salon. Just, you know, let's try to follow the instructions and do things the right way. So again, please, salon owners, please make sure that we are hiring people with credentials if they're going to touch other individuals in our creative workspaces. Now, that's one thing that I did want to uh expound upon because it's so important. So many of my students are actually working in a salon. They actually have a chair and I find that to be so strange, you know, uh, cause it's very unlawful. So I'm going to go on to the next, uh, little topic that I wanted to, it's on the same topic, but the next, uh, bullet point that I really wanted to highlight working out of your house with no business license to operate or permit, 
Okay. Now I know that we are creative and we do not need a lot of machinery to get the job done. However, be very careful. When you start to work out of your house and you, I'm just saying, even if you have your license, let's say you have your license and you decided that you don't want to go pay a booth rent to anyone. You decided that you're going to create a studio in your, in your own home. All right. There's some issues with that. You have liability issues right there because, uh, did you allow the state to know first and foremost that you're operating a salon inside of your home? Uh, they have to have bullet point that I'd like to address is allowing clients to bring in their own products. Now, professionals, we all know that that is a major no-no in our industry. We cannot allow clients to walk in off the street and bring their own products from a drugstore, beauty supply store, or any place other than a prescription or prescribed product that has the prescription actually physically on it that is not allowed in our industry if in fact we are bring, allowing clients to come in with store-bought product. The number one reason that we cannot do that is because we don't have the MSDS sheets on those products. And without the material safety data sheets on those products, we don't know how to counteract a reaction. We don't know what to do for it. Okay. Uh, if, if it gets in their eye, how do they want us to rinse it out? If you don't have the MSDS sheet on a product, you must not use it. Okay. Also too, under your insurance as a salon owner, a booth rent owner, because yes, as a booth renter, you still have to have an insurance policy for some liability insurance for where you're working. So if in fact you do not have that product under your insurance, you must not use it. It is for your own good because one mishap, one slip can take your whole business away from you just by accident. Let's just say you did a color or a relaxer on a client's hair and they didn't fully disclose what they might've done underneath that hair. And you go ahead on just, you know, say, all right, I'll keep the peace. This lady is really bugging me about using her own product. I'm just going to do it just to, you know, shut her up and get her out of here. Well, what happens if she had some adverse reaction to it right on the spot? Okay. The client is never going to take ownership of their own stuff. So therefore they're going to say, you should have known better. It was your fault. Beauty professionals, we got to be smart. Okay. We know for a fact that it's because we cannot prove or we cannot help you if an emergency were to arise. So therefore we cannot allow clients to walk in with their own home remedies or beauty uh, store product and utilize them in salon. In salon, you have a particular set of products from reputable companies that come with MSDS sheets. And also it's under your insurance that you use. So therefore, even as professionals, we don't go to just a random beauty supply store and buy a shampoo and just use it. That is a major no-no. We only use products that are under our insurance that come with our material safety data sheets. Professionals, this is just business 101. Protect yourself, okay? Protect yourself against little things. Just follow the instructions.
The next bullet point that I want to talk about is not having clients sign the chemical release form. Whoa, that was a big one. I had to take a deep breath because I'm guilty of that. Listen, listen, listen. If you have a client that needs a color, that needs a relaxer, that needs highlights, anything that is going to permanently change the structure of that hair, that client needs to sign a chemical release form. It is a legal document that you can have printed up and each client can sign it and you can file it away. On most POS systems, it automatically comes up in the screen and they can just tap it or sign it and be done with it. Once they've signed it one time and dated it, it's on their file underneath their name. You're all clear. What's the sense of having your business again being shut down because one client did not sign the release form, the chemical release form, and you performed a, um, a, um, a service on them and by the hook of the crook, something happened. They got a chemical burn. Now they go find an attorney and they take you straight down. So that is just so easy. Some, a lot of people out here are tricky and they know the rules. So I'm just letting you know, be very careful, you know, protect yourself. So yes, that's the next bullet point is having your client to sign the, the chemical release form. The next thing that I'm guilty of as well. So I'm including myself to follow the instructions is skipping the predisposition test professionals, the patch test. Why are we skipping the patch test? Because the patch test is the skin test where we're going to, if we're going to use any kind of oxidative tent, any, uh, paraphenylene diamine, anything like that, that's going to change the color of the hair permanently. We have got to take a little of that peroxide and a little of that ammonia content product. We got to mix up a little bit of it and dab it right behind their ear or in the fold of their arm. Send them home for 24 hours and then book them the next day. If And then we must check the test. If that area is red or irritated or swollen, professionals, you must not continue. That's what that test is for. The predisposition test or the patch test is there to protect you. God forbid you get that color on that lady's scalp, on that man's scalp, and they have a reaction, an acute reaction in the chair. How are you going to stop it? That product is all in their scalp. It's in their head, which is right there. So my thing is we have got to stop professionals. I know making money and getting that bag is the most important thing. That's what we're showing up to work for every day. But if we are driving a hundred miles per hour in a 35 mile zone, we are bound to run into some trouble. Okay. So not using in the day in this day and age where everyone is allergic to everything, including myself, go ahead on and keep working just as a systematic thing and, and not practicing good uh, preliminary precautions. And it will catch up with you one day. All you need is one client, 
One client that's sensitive to everything, but wants the world of chemicals on their hair. They're going to say, oh, you should have known better. Here we go again. They're going to never take responsibility. They knew that they were a ball of allergic reactions, but they're not going to disclose that to you, nor do they have to. But on our client information form, those are questions we ask. What are you allergic to? Are you allergic to latex? That's the next thing. We're using lots of latex gloves. You know, they might have an adverse reaction to that. And we, we use gloves for a lot of things, you know, so therefore we have got to take some safety precautions just for ourselves in this industry. Remember, we're professionals so that the fact that we take proper preliminary precautions is what we ought to do. It's what is expected of us the same way in the doctor's office. They have to have hospital level sanitation and sterilization in there. We it's expected. It's the norm. And this is our industry norm as well. So we have got to perform on that level. And anyone that has a problem with taking a patch test, that's their problem. That's money you don't need. And yes, it's going to take us a day to collect that money from them to get that service. But what is it worth it to you to go ahead, perform it, they get sick in the chair and then they shut you down forever. Or the next day you book them and they come back. I've never had a client say, oh, I don't want the test. I'm going to go somewhere else. And the, the few times that that might've happened to some of you, let me say this. You didn't want that client. Let them go and allow someone to put something on them, but you don't participate. Again, the predisposition or the patch test is a 24 to 48 hour test that we test our, uh, any oxidative product on them. Now you don't patch test them with relaxer cause you know, good and well, that's going to burn. That's not really meant for going on the skin directly. However, any kind of oxidative tint, meaning hair color, anything like that, we know we're going to test them out. All right. And if the, if the reaction comes red and swollen, itchy, or irritated, we have to decline that service. And, and even if we change a product, it, let's say we start out by using GoWell. They did their patch test for GoWell. Everything was clear. They had no adverse reaction to it, but you changed to Wella. Now, now that you've changed your chemical line from, let's say you uh, drop go well and added Wella, or you just kept go well and added Wella as an additional product. And you want to start using that. These are just examples. Well, you need to have them take another predisposition test for the Wella because the chemical makeup, the, some of the ingredients could be slightly different. Wella could have added something that go well has not added. So therefore you just want to make sure that you test whenever you get a new chemical line that um, is more of an oxidative tint. All right, moving on to the next bullet point. And again, I'm guilty of this too. We're not performing strand tests. Okay. We're not performing strand tests. If you are not performing a strand test, how do you know timing? How do you know accuracy? How do you know what's going to happen? How that hair is going to pull? A lot of times, because we have these beauty supply stores on every corner, people are doing lots of home hairdressing. They're going to the beauty supply store, buying stuff, putting it on themselves. They don't get the right result. Then they go get some black dye and cover it all up. You understand? And then they come into the salon. You ask them, have you ever had color? They say, no, I haven't had color. Oh, it was a rinse. They say stuff like that because, you know, I, they... they it is what it is. They're not supposed to know all the uh, terminology or whatever, but 
as professionals, we have got to safeguard against that. So skipping things like the strand test, come on, the strand te test takes two seconds. You take that strand of hair and you push it right on. Um, I'm sorry. That is the, um, that's the porosity test. You take that product and that's the next one I'm going to get to is the strand test. But, um, the, I'm sorry, the porosity test, but the strand test, we take that product. We take a strand of hair. We wipe a little bit of that chemical on that hair. And we just go for it, you know, and we allow them to sit and check processing time and the result. And then we just, you could go ahead and wipe that strand down, spray it down, stop it with a little shampoo, a little conditioner, and just pat it down. I'll use a little spray, a little leave-in conditioner on there and just let that air dry. And I'm able to test my results so that I don't waste time and waste product by, you know, using the wrong strength or the wrong formula or whatever. So just going in, using your strand test is key. That that saves you because if you undershoot it and you didn't use the right formula, that's your fault. That's not the client's fault. So using, doing the strand test is something that they're never going to ask for. That's us. That's us as professionals. We ought to know better. Now, now the next one, the porosity test. Now, guys, come on. The porosity and the elasticity test we got to do because that's a part of the preliminary process for chemical work. Again, if a client comes in and they say, oh, I never had this, I had never had that. The prime way to find out whether or not they are telling the truth or not is doing a porosity test. When the hair has been chemically treated, whether it's color, relaxed or whatever, the hair has a feeling to it. Come on, professionals, you know that. You can feel the shift of porosity. The porosity on that strand is very different. The strand feels slightly roughened. It's different. It has a, a coarser feel than actually the roots would feel. Okay. If that's the area that you would want to compare it to for the actual uh, porosity test, all you have to do is take a strand of hair, put it in between your fingers and gently slide it down to the base of the scalp. All right. If that hair crumbles down like a garbage bag, you know, there's product on that hair. Okay. You can feel the product and know that there's something on there, but if they insist and say, no, I've never had anything, go ahead, perform your porosity test. Porosity does not lie. What is porosity again? Professionals, the hair's ability to absorb moisture. What is moisture? Anything, water, perm solution, relaxer, color, anything, hairspray, anything you put on there. If the hair absorbs it too much, you know that the porosity is, uh, is off, but that is what porosity is. Elasticity. Now this right here is your protein levels. So you could tell whether or not someone's hair is fragile or not with the elasticity test. Just go ahead on, take that strand and stretch it. What is elasticity? The hair's ability to stretch and return without breaking. And if you stretch that hair a little, hair a little bit and it does pop, you know that you must not continue with that chemical service because there's something wrong with that client's protein in that hair. That polypeptide chain is shifted in some kind of a way. Their amino acids are suffering. So we must not, um, continue on with the chemical pro, um, procedure if they failed elasticity tests. Okay. Sometimes with porosity, we're able to go in and put porosity controllers, but that elasticity speaks directly to their protein.
Okay. And the molecules in that hair have shifted. So if the hair fails, those two tests, we know we must not proceed, but guess what? We don't do it. We go ahead on and put the relaxer. We go, go ahead on, put the lightener on and the hair starts popping off. The hair sheds all over their cape, all over their shirt. And you wonder what happened. Professionals that was on you, not them. There's certain things that we have to take ownership of. There's certain things that you have to take ownership of. Um, I'm sorry that we, have to take ownership of and that they have to take ownership of the next thing and that I'm going to uh, you know touch on which is very obvious we don't double drape why are we not double draping in the salon for chemical services I see chemicals going on and they just have a towel around their neck with no cape at all remember for chemical services it's towel cape towel professionals we cannot proceed with perm solution and relaxer and color and lightener and all those things without double draping it is for your legal protection and for the client's safety that is a standard we must double drape for chemical services once your towel is saturated with relaxer and perm solution please take it off their neck and skin and redrape these are just some of the things that i wanted to come on and just you know talk to you about um just because it must be done the next little thing my pet peeve is allowing a client to come in and service them without shampooing the hair now this one i i don't get it Clients come in and say, no, I don't want to shampoo. Um, just cut my hair. I just shampooed my hair yesterday or today or whenever. I don't care when the client has shampooed their hair. I don't care. We are going to work clean. Okay. Have, even have you noticed that the barbers are wearing gloves now? They're not just going bare hand from client to client. They're gloving up. Okay, I know it's for hair splinters, but it's also for sanitation, all right? Because they deal with a lot of clients that they're cutting uh, straight off the street without shampooing first, okay? I've seen some disclaimers up in salons letting them know if your hair is not clean, we're not servicing. If the hair is too oily, too much product, we're not servicing. And kudos to you, uh, barbers, those of you who are doing that. And I understand that because you really need to cut that hair dry so that you could get a nice fade in and whatever. However, um, but it's good thing that you all are putting on your gloves. That's kudos to you all. The barbers have really stepped up their game. Beauty professionals. Sanitizing and shampooing that hair before service is for your own good. It is for your own good. Who cares if the client says they don't want to be cleansed? For whatever reason, they might not want you to shampoo their hair, then they don't want you to do their hair. If they're going to dictate your chair and how the service flows, then they don't need to be there. They need to go back home and finish doing their hair at home. We've got to stick to industry standards, professionals. When you allow your standards to go down, you bring down the whole industry. No one will respect us. That's why we have kitchen beauticians, because they don't respect the industry. That's the reason why we have YouTubers popping up all over the place, whereas they've looked online and found some videos and they are kind of self-taught, but they don't have the principles and the structure behind what they're offering the world. So if we take our standards 
and we let our standards stay high. We allow our clients and everyone that enters into our creative workplaces, they have to rise to our standards, which are the standards of any textbook, whether it's the My Lady textbook, pivot point, click, whatever you're studying from, these are the staple standards in all of our textbooks. And I just wanted to go on there and share that with you, that following the instructions, the instructions are there for you. Okay. Follow the manufacturing, manufacturing instructions is what we always teach in school. They say, how long do we leave the perm solution on? Uh-uh. We follow the manufacturer's instructions. That's something that we have, has been instilled in all of us. But why are we not following the instructions? Beauty professionals, please take a moment and look around. Make sure that there's little things that you can do to help yourself and to create an environment of awareness. All right. Not just for you, but in educating the client on this being for their own good, raising the bar on the beauty industry. And that's how we are able to keep cosmetology alive. And that's all I wanted to share with you all today. I'm crazy about you all in this beauty industry. I'm in it with you. And I endeavor for us to just build up this empire. This is a billion dollar industry. And as we're generating these billions, we've got to make sure that we follow guidelines, rules, and most of all the instructions. So that's all today, folks. I'll be back with you soon. Remember sharing is caring. You can hit me up. You know, I want to hear from you. This is an open forum for a conversation between us professionals and future professionals. This is a platform just for us where we can share and vent and get it all out. All right. Until next time, guys, remember to keep cosmetology alive. Take care. Bye-bye.